<clears throat> Hello and welcome to Half Blind Hecklers episode 63. There's a lot to get through today, so I'm going to try and barrel through and go through all these stories and all these incidents and everything that's been happening the past weekend because it's kind of been crazy. So let's start right in. I'm going to start off with a few stories about how the left is basically making it so that if the right wants to participate in society and in interviews and be part of popular and modern culture, then they have to admit that the election was not stolen. Um, then we'll talk about how a teenager reported his father for merely participating in the Capitol protest. There's no evidence that he was actually inside the building. Then we'll talk about Biden's executive orders and talk about Biden's Catholic faith, quote-unquote, and ascendant liberal Christianity. Talk about how... States and cities around the United States are changing their lockdowns, and a lot of it has to do with that Biden is now in control and they want to make him look good. And then we'll talk about a school board in the United States that's rushing to reopen after COVID closures drives huge spike in child suicides. Talk about a Canadian story about staff at a long-term care home that move in to the care home to keep COVID-19 out. Uh... Dutch mayor warns the country is heading for a civil war following violent anti-curfew protests as France and Italy admit they're facing another lockdown. And then we'll find a few stories. Um, a right-wing commentator and reporter who was thrown to the ground and arrested while reporting. And then finally, a story about how pandemics don't suspend the Charter of Rights here in Canada. And I'll have a few stories to go with that. So, without further ado, let's jump right in. So this is going to be a segment... Uh, this is, of course, a segment from the Michael Knowles Show, but it is a segment from an MSNBC reporter. I don't remember her exact name, but this is her statement, and it's a little horrifying. So just here. Yeah, that's, that is a crazy statement. That is a crazy statement. Saying that you must say things. You must admit to what we say is true. Not to what you personally believe is. There is no freedom of speech. There is compelled speech. There is, you must toe the line, or we will take you off the platform. Or we will not allow you to speak in the Senate. This is disgusting. Why would we allow this as a society? Why would we say this is acceptable? This is, of course, not acceptable. I would never accept such silliness, such insanity. Like, in Canada, we sort of had compelled speech with Bill C-16. Now, a lot of people disagreed that Bill C-16 was compelled speech, but the truth is that it did compel speech, if you actually look at the wording of it, because it can be interpreted in a way that compels speech. 
And that's that's wrong. I, I think that's deplorable. Here's another video. This one's from a discussion between Rand Paul and George Strombolopoulos. And Rand Paul would not concede, and I, I applaud him for that. But we're just going to listen to the first few minutes of it. Because the way that George wants him to say things, he wants him to admit what he wants to be true, what he says, this is fact, this is truth, and you have to agree with this. When it's not. So here's, here's the first few minutes of that video. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> I had a little bit of a stumble through my mute button. But that is an interesting video, isn't it? And I, I encourage you to watch the rest of that video. It's a very good interview, and Rand Paul presents himself quite well. And he says a lot of things that are really, really true. One thing that I'm talking about is that he says, you've injected yourself into the story. You said, this is where I'm saying the truth is. This is not, I'm getting this side, I'm getting this pers perspective, and we're having hashing it out, we're having a conversation. No, that's not what they're doing. The media and the Democrats, and the media is, of course, basically a PR wing of the Democrats, but the media is essentially saying that you have to agree with this point because I'm saying it. And he's saying things, of course, that aren't even true, like he was saying that 
Like everything has been disproven when that's not even true. All the cases were thrown out because of standing, which is a procedural error. But this was never addressed in court. To say that it was thrown out of court for lack of evidence is a lie. It's a lie. And of course, Rand Paul is correct that there were a lot of irregularities and a lot of issues that were never really addressed. George says, oh, there's been counts and recounts. Well, counts and recounts, without actually going in and inspecting a lot of this stuff, won't accomplish anything. It won't. It can't accomplish anything. It's impossible for it to accomplish anything. Because how can they accomplish anything if that's how they're doing it? If they're managing this entire relation through, well, this is what we want to be true and anything that's really, like, any real investigation, we can't do. Like, simple example. Massive issues, two main massive issues in Fulton County, Georgia. First one was the election video that was released probably, I think, around December 12th. I think. And that one, of course, had ballots that were clearly being counted illegally. Very clear illegal actions. All those votes must be thrown out. No, because that's election law. And the fact that Georgia still got certified. That doesn't make any sense. Secondly, in Fulton County, in a different area of Fulton County, they claimed, oh, okay, no, we have to stop counting. There's a water pipe burst. Okay. All right. Like, get it? Natural disaster. Nothing we can do. Sent all the poll watchers out of the building. Still counted illegally in secret. When investigated, it was not a it was not a burp pipe. It was not a burst pipe. It was a toilet that was overflowing. They still counted when they sent the poll watchers out. All those ballots must be thrown out. And if you consider that, that's probably about fifty to sixty thousand votes, just there. In Georgia, Biden supposedly won by eleven thousand votes. Now, do you get it? Now do you see why there's a lot of questions and why a lot of these things have not been properly addressed and why we're like, you have to properly address this. Otherwise, nobody will trust elections again in America. And that's the truth. Nobody will trust elections again in America. Now, of course, the left and the right are there. They're kind of at a, a fever pitch. The, the dichotomy before, between the left and the right in America, and even here in Canada, it's still fairly high. But here's a story that kind of, it, it just makes you a little bit mad. So teen speaks out from hiding after his father warned him traitors get shot when he reported him to the FBI for attending Capitol Riot. So Jackson Riffett said he was in contact with the FBI after the D.C. riot. His father was arrested Friday at his home in Wiley, Texas. Said Saturday had not spoken to his dad since his arrest. He's no longer staying at the family home. Would not reveal his location. Senior was recorded on video outside the Capitol during the January 6th riot. And later apparently threatened his wife and children if they turned him in. I wouldn't say that, but okay. So a teenager alerted the FBI to his dad's alleged role in the Capitol riots and said he felt guilty for speaking with the authorities, but he would do it all again, so he doesn't feel guilty. <laughs> He told Fox 4, I got in contact with the FBI after Capitol riots about my dad. It was a moral compass, kind of, to do what I thought would protect not only my family, but my dad himself. His father was arrested Friday at his home, according to court records. 
They're charged with obstruction of justice and unlawful entry. So, did he enter the Capitol building? It says he's recorded on video outside the Capitol. And later supposedly threatened his wife and children if they turned him in. According to local news, his wife told the Fishers that he was arguing about the incident with his son and daughter when he told them, if you turn me in, you're a traitor and you know what happens to traitors. Reffitt said Saturday he had not spoken with his dad since his arrest, but wished he could. He told the New York Times he was no longer staying at the family home and he would not reveal his location for fear of his safety. Well, yeah, he wasn't, this article doesn't say it, but he he's not staying at the family home because they kicked him out. Because they couldn't stand that he sent his father to prison. He had, I would say I'm sorry, but I don't feel, because I don't feel like I put him in this situation, but I still feel guilty. I would do it again. Teen says to have contacted, contacted the authorities about his dad in the days before the siege. Told the paper he would always tell me he's going to do something big. I don't know what he was going to do, so I just did anything possible just to be on the safe side. So, Jackson said he's afraid about what his dad might think after he finds out he spoke with the FBI and said his mom and two sisters did not know about the contact with the authorities until they saw him being interviewed in the media. And since they saw him being interviewed in the media, they kicked about. Referring to Donald Trump, he told CNN, obviously the man in charge at the time, I feel like he just manipulated him into thinking what he's thinking now. I'm obviously not sure about that, but I can know, can't know for sure. That's the only thing I can blame for this. The politics he follows and idealizes. That's not what caused him to go to the protests. What caused these people to go to the protest was the media looking down on them. It was exactly why Trump won in such a big measure in 2016. He won in such a big measure in 2016 because the Democratic elites said anybody who is a Republican is a brain-dead baboon. And everything, that they're just racist Nazis. So, according to an affidavit torn by Dallas, Reffitt Sr. told his family that he went to Washington, D.C. to protect the country, that he brought a gun with him, and that he stormed the Capitol. So... He might have gone in, but as you can see, all these pictures show that he was clearly outside. So, while his wife said that she didn't believe that he would act on his words, she said that the family left felt disturbed. Images from the day show Refet wearing his helmet with the camera fastened to the front of it. Those seen in the image wearing a blue jacket and what appears to be a bulletproof vest. So... Reffitt told agents he was at the Capitol but did not go inside, according to the affidavit. Then what he did was not a crime. There's no, as far as we can tell, there's no video of him inside. There's no pictures of him inside. And according to his affidavit, he did not go inside. So why did they charge him? Are they just charging anybody who was there? You can't charge somebody for being involved in a protest. That's illegal. It's wrong. So there's a bunch of people that have been arrested. Now, generally, of course, outside of this incident, if you have a family member who commits a serious crime, then, yeah, you should turn them in. Like, it is your moral duty for society. But this man, this kid, essentially turned his father in because his father was a conservative Republican and he was an Antifa Democrat. And now he's set up a GoFundMe and he netted $100,000 from people who said, good for you for turning in your father. 
for something that wasn't a crime. That's shameful. That's disgusting. Turning in your father because he has a different political ideology than you is awful. And yeah, you sh he sh totally deserved being kicked out of his house. Yes, he's been brainwashed by the liberal peep by the liberal media, but he deserves to be kicked out. He's an adult. He can face the consequences for his actions. Now, moving on to the next kind of story. Alberta's top official calls Biden's decision to stop Keystone Pipeline an insult to Canada. So, I live in Alberta. The Premier Jason Kenney called President Joe Biden's decision to stop the Keystone Pipeline an insult to Canada. During a press conference on Saturday, Sunday, he spoke about the relationship between Alberta and the U.S., stating the province has the deepest economic ties to the U.S. That's true. His friends and allies in the United States were deeply disturbed that one of first actions in office has been, has been to rescind the presidential permit for the Keystone XL pipeline border crossing. This is a gut punch for the Canadian and Alberta economies. Sadly, is an insult directed at the United States' most important ally and trading par partner on day one of a new administration. So he continued to speak. Today as I speak, I'm going to pause this because it's distracting. Over 2,000 women and men have lost their jobs or heading home from a good-paying union job as a result of this decision. Newsweek was directed to Kenny's press conference after reaching out to his office for comment. Kenny's comments come shortly after Biden revoked the federal construction permit for the Keystone XL pipeline, which, if constructed, would have shipped 830,000 barrels of carbon-heavy oil per day from Alberta to Nebraska. And would have basically saved the Alberta economy. Because <laughs> right now we're dead. The decision followed years of criticism towards the pipeline from environmentalists and progressive, but it will lead to to over many jobs being cut from the Calgary-based company it was set, that was set to build the pipeline TC Energy. I think in the United States, they estimated that it was about 11,000 to 20,000 jobs will be cut because of this decision. They said over 1,000 positions will be eliminated in the coming weeks. The majority of these unionized workers representing the building trades. It's not the first time Kenny has criticized Biden's decision. Now... <laughs> I know a lot of unions were like, how could he do this? Like, we voted for him. We feel betrayed. It's like, he said he would do it. Like, this is what, this is what some of the Americans voted for. Now, I'm just saying, I don't think Biden won. It doesn't make any sense. But there were a lot of people who did vote for Biden. A lot of people who thought Trump was a tyrant. Trump was a fascist, racist, yada, 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 yada. It was all stupid. But this is what you voted for. This is what you get when you vote for somebody who's supposed to be and who you think is going to be a bastion against the far left. He is not. He is going to be their puppet. And this was the first action that they wanted to do was cancel the Keystone Pipeline to destroy oil and gas. To move forward with technology that doesn't exist. Unreliable, expensive, re renewable energy that has caused brownouts and blackouts and caused electricity prices to rise by, I believe, 20 times in California and other states. This is what happens when you do not think before you change energy prices. It's devastating. Another decision that Biden made, sorry, was that he overturned Trump's ban on transgender troops and first moves for defense secretary Austin. So President Joe Biden on Monday overturned President Donald Trump's policy that aimed to ban transgender soups from service. He directed Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to implement a policy that prohibits, pause, 
Discrimination against troops based on their gender identity and requires the Pentagon to report within 60 days of its progress in unraveling the ban. He said the move makes the nation safer. Fact check false. Totally stupid. Today I repealed the discriminatory ban on transgender people serving in the military. He said it's simple. America is safer when everyone qualified to serve can do it openly and with pride. Except transgender people are not qualified. They have a mental illness. It would be like saying, we welcomed anybody with bipolar disorder to serve in the military. Yeah, sure, it's like it's bad because we have to pay for their surgeries, and of course we have to pay for their treatments, and they cost a lot of money, and these people are mentally unstable. But equality, right? It's ridiculous. Austin vowed to rescind the ban and to create a climate where everyone fit and willing has the opportunity to serve this country with dignity. The ban would have been lifted on on Inauguration Day, but Biden wanted to ensure more of his team was in place at the Pentagon to ensure the smooth implementation of his order. Like, this is not going to make the country safer. It's going to make this, the safety of the nation even more in jeopardy. Because it's going to put mentally unstable people on the front lines. Now, of course, there's not going to be that many, but I remember watching a video from a service member, and he's like, yeah, I'm glad that this is happening. Because you have to be able to trust your brothers and sisters in arms. You have to make sure that they are dependable. That you can rely on them in a crisis. And someone who has mental issues and delusions of, well, grandeur, or delusions of thinking they're an opposite gender, these people are mentally unstable. You cannot depend on them in a serious crisis. So all these moves are... Killing jobs there. Making the country less safe. This is what you voted for. You voted for a doddering old fool who will do whatever the left tells him to. He also rescinded Trump's ban on forcing people to use the washrooms that fit to their biological sex. He's basically saying that yes, men can compete in women's sports. Men can go into girls' washrooms if they want. This is devastating for women. It's going to destroy women's sports. It's going to make women feel unsafe in change rooms and bathrooms. And he did it all for inclusivity. It's pathetic. It's disgusting. Anyways. And then Biden's Catholic faith and ascendant liberal Christianity. While conservative Catholics have doubled down on abortion policy and religious freedom for the past four years, Mr. Biden's prior policy priorities reflect those of Pope Francis, the worst pope ever or at least pope, worst pope in last century, who has sought to turn the church's attention from sexual politics to issues like environmental protection, poverty, and immigration. Ugh, stupid. First day in office, he recommitted the United States to the Paris Climate Agreement. Terrible decision, just costs a ton of money. Doesn't do anything. The international accord designed to avert global warming. Global warming is not dangerous. And the ban on trouble from predominantly Muslim and African countries. That is actually an accurate description. But the ban was in place because of policy directors from Obama and stopped construction on the border wall. Yay, that's really stupid. Biden's support from abortion rights is already causing tension in the Catholic Church. Even before the inaugural ceremony had finished, Archbishop Jose Gomez of Los Angeles, the President of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, issued an extensive statement criticizing Biden for policies that would advance moral evils, especially in the areas of abortion, contraception, marriage, and gender. Cardinal Blaise J. Kupich, 
who is known for his alignment with Pope Francis' social and economic policies, pushed back on Twitter, calling the statement unprecedented and ill-considered. It was not unprecedented and ill-considered. Calling Joe Biden a Catholic is an affront and an insult to all Catholics. Now, I, of course, am not a Catholic. I am a Protestant. I am an evangelical. But I can understand why Joe Biden calling himself a Catholic would be insulting. If he called himself a Protestant, if he calls himself an evangelical and said, free abortions for everyone, we'll kill all the babies. Everyone gets a free income whether they work or not. These are not Christian ideals. We're going to try and make sure Israel moves out of the, the international stage so they get destroyed by Hamas and the Palestinians and the and the Iranians. These are not Christian ideals. And anyone trying to call Joe Biden a Christian, anyone trying to call major Democratic players Christians, is idiotic. They're foolish. They have been deceived. It baffles the mind how dumb it is. Joe Biden is a heretic. He advocates killing children. Yet these, these articles, there was one from the New York Times that said he was the most religiously adherent president of the modern era. I don't know what they mean by that, because it's absolutely ridiculous. He's not the most religiously adherent president in the modern era. He's barely religiously adherent. Simply because he goes to church does not make him religiously adherent. It makes him a heretic. It makes him a false believer. He's not a Catholic. He believes in the religion of self. Self, sorry. In what advances me, what advances me and my family. And that's what Joe Biden has been practicing all along. That's why he's a corrupt, evil, manipulative man. And now he's a doddering old fool. And I will never support him as a Christian. I won't support Democrats as Christians unless they seriously change their policies. Just like I won't support liberals and I'm probably not going to support the conservatives here in Canada. Because they support the deaths of millions now, of course, we're going to talk about the Conservative Party in the future moving forward, but things are looking bleak. That's all I got to say. Moving on. So, California eases lockdowns as COVID-19 crisis ebbs. So, no thanks. So, California eased restrict COVID-19 stay-at-home orders on Monday, allowing restaurants to reopen for outdoor dining and greater social mixing. The ones that are still awake are still functioning. So, like health authorities reported slower infection rates and hospitalizations. Announcement marked the most tangible sign yet that California, which emerged in recent months as leading as a leading U.S. coronavirus hotspot, has moved beyond the worst days of the crisis that pushed most of its healthcare system to a breaking point. Across the country, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, not Maria Cuomo, has said he planned to relax a number of unspecified restrictions in the days ahead as long as transmission rates there remain low. The United States as a whole has been seeing declines in new reported COVID-19 cases and hospital admissions over the past two weeks, following an alarming year-end spike of infections. In parts of California, Texas, and other states, the surge filled hospital intensive care units, not really, emergency rooms, ambulance bays, and morgues to overflowing. Again, not really true. Kind of manipulative figures. 
Newly improved outlook nevertheless came as the country surpassed the ominous milestone of 25 million known infections with nearly 419 American lives lost from the pandemic. Of course, a lot of this has to be taken with a grain of salt because we know for a fact that 419,000 did not die directly from COVID-19, but a lot they died with COVID-19. So take that with a grain of salt. Now, I'm going to look at some figures. So, of course, now this is also happening. Mayor Lori Lightfoot wants to reopen restaurants and bars as quickly as possible in Chicago to reduce risk of underground parties. So she said on Thursday that Chicago restaurants and bars needed to be allowed to reopen as quickly as possible, not just to help those businesses survive, but also to cut down on instances of private parties where people don't take proper precautions against COVID-19. So they're all trying to reopen as quickly as possible. But let's let's look at some data. Let's look at some data. So oh, here we go. So this is in California. So this is up until today, or at least up until yesterday. So spiking through November, up, 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 up down. Okay. And we're we're starting to reopen right now. Right here. When things are starting to trend downwards. But why the hell wouldn't you reopen here? Like, throughout this entire time, they were in lockdown. Why the hell wouldn't they reopen here? That makes zero sense. Zero. Absolutely zero sense. Unless it's politically motivated. And of course, deaths are still the highest they've ever been in California. So why on earth would you reopen now? I wonder what's happened recently. Oh, Biden's inauguration. Biden's now president. We have to reopen to make the economy surge to make Biden look good. Exact same thing is happening in Chicago. So I'm not going to look at the positivity rate. I'm going to look at by daily by demographic. So cases. Once it loads. Okay, I might, might have to just tell you to... Here we go. So cases. Daily case rates. Spike in November. Going down. Why wouldn't you open here? Why wouldn't you open in July and September? It made a constant low level. Joop. That's pretty much giving me the same thing. Why wouldn't you open it? Why wouldn't you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Unless it's all political. It's all freaking political! Because these people did not care if anybody died as long as it made Biden look good and made Trump look bad. These people should be in jail. They have killed people. They have allowed people to die from suicide, from losing their business, from overdosing, from homicides. But they do not give a damn because it's all about promoting the Democratic Party. It's party over people. Democrats are evil scum. At least these ones. Now, of course, there are some Democrats who are very fine people. Notice my reference there. Haha. <laughs> but these ones are evil, manipulative scumbags who should be in jail. I condemn them in the most vociferous forms. Using the most vociferous terms. 
They are vile scum. Because they allowed situations like this to happen. Schools in U.S. City rush to reopen after COVID closures drive huge spike in child suicides. Go away. School bosses in Las Vegas are rushing to return to in-person learning after witnessing a huge spike in student suicide. A total of 18 youngsters studying at the Carr County School District, which encompasses the Nevada City, died between initial lockdowns in March and December. Six of those students died by suicide between mid-March and the end of June, with remaining 12 killing themselves during the period spanning from the start of July to New Year's Eve. That is double the nine student suicides the district recorded for the entire year of 2019. The youngest child to take his own life was nine years old. With one leaving a note saying they no longer had anything to look forward to. That's despicable. Records seen by the New York Times show that 31 students in Clark County had, had reported experiencing suicidal thoughts, self-harmed, or cried out for help. Education bosses are now working to bring students back to school buildings as quickly as possible. That comes from this debate rages across the world as to how to keep teachers safe while supporting children who feel depressed and isolated. Teachers are not a danger. This is just making some self-entitled teachers and self-entitled adults feel safe while subjecting children to isolation, suicide, and depression. Any teacher that refuses to go back to work and forces students to stay at home should be fired on the spot. These children are more important. These children do not deserve to suffer in silence and die. Because they don't know what's actually going on and they are cowards. To not care about who they are supposed to be responsible for. When we started to see the uptick in children taking their lives, we knew it wasn't just the COVID numbers we need to look at anymore. Yeah, we saw this coming ages ago. Anybody could see that suicides were going to start a major uptick. There's a report I saw that in Saskatchewan, 1 in 10 people in Saskatchewan have considered suicide. 1 in 10. If we extrapolate to the entire population of Canada, that's 350,000 people. Now, of course, not all of them have considered suicide, but I would guess about 200,000 have considered suicide this year, in 2020. 200,000 have considered suicide. That's terrible. Greta Massetti, a child violence and trauma expert at the Center for Disease Control, told The Times it makes conceptual sense that school closures have been linked to a deterioration in child's me children's mental health. Experts say many children who did not previously suffer from serious mental illness have been badly affected by keeping away from friends, activities, and their old routine. For vulnerable children who see school as a haven from poverty or abuse, the problem is even more pronounced. Other U.S. states have witnessed child suicide linked to school closures. Hayden Hunstable hanged himself in Alito, Texas. Michael Moronic killed himself in October after a school district in Baltimore, Maryland decided to continue with virtual learning for the 2020-21 academic year. An 11-year-old Adam Lano shot himself dead in his home during a Zoom session. People need physical interactions. Any, I know that there's a lot of people who are saying, oh yeah, churches don't need to go back in person. People don't need to be at church in person. They can just do it virtually. They can do everything over distance. 
Shut up. You just don't care. You only care about your own safety. You're a selfish prick. People are dying. Like I've said before, we are going to the Super Rally on February 20th. I'm going to load up as many people as I can. I encourage everyone to go with me. To go with us. We're going to take a stance against the lockdown. We're going to stand against this evil, this hypocrisy, this apathy to death. Because we will not take this lying down anymore. We will not simply accept that this is a natural part of life. Tyranny, fascism, and evil must not be accepted in society. It cannot be accepted in society. Choose to take a stand. Choose to fight back. Choose to civilly disobey. Now, a little bit lighter news now. Staff at Quebec Long-Term Care Home move in to keep COVID out. A group of long-term care workers in rural Quebec have taken extreme measures to keep COVID-19 from entering their facility. They've each decided to move in with the residents. Second time since the start of the pandemic, employers at Manoir Stansted in Stansted, Quebec, about 160 kilometers southeast of Montreal, have committed to move into the facility for an entire month as a way of limiting their own exposure to the virus and thus keeping their residents as safe as possible. We have our own rooms that we sleep in and we have a routine we made and nobody's really overworked. It's eight hours each and helpers and helpers say it's working out good. Everyone from the director of facility to the custodial staff has agreed to move in until Quebec's province-wide lockdown is scheduled to end on February 8th. Keeping everyone together in a bubble and limiting exposure to the outside world is shown to be effective in other settings. Both the NHL and NBA employed a strict bubble method during their playoffs in late summer, with not a single reported case of COVID-19 in either setting. Seem to be working in the facility as well. While more than 7,000 seniors have died from COVID-19 in Quebec, long-term care homes since the start of the pandemic, Manuel Stansted is yet to have a single case. For many of their workers, moving in is a big commitment. They're leaving their families on the outside, but it's a commitment they're willing to make for the health of their residents. I love this idea. Like, not everybody's going to be able to do it. But this is basically an extrapolation of the Great Barrington Declaration. Protect the elderly. Protect those who need the immunocompromised. Make sure that they're kind of left in a bubble. But everyone else, every single other person, back to life as normal. And I am totally fine with a government-sponsored increase to pay to these people. Because they're taking a sacrifice. It's a serious sacrifice. It's for the greater good. And I endorse government increases to their pay. Because they're acting in an upright and heroic manner. They should be applauded for this. But if they're doing this, that means that everybody else in society should be able to go back. This should be an exceptionally well-paid job for the month that they're there. For however long they stay. It should be an exceptionally well-paid job. Because it allows everyone else to return to their work. To return to their livelihoods. To return to their lives. To go back to what we had. To go back to normal. To resume a positive life where everyone can interact and be decent. But that's not where everyone else is encouraging. Everyone else is encouraging Australia-style lockdowns. Tyranny. Fascism. That's what they're encouraging. And I reject it in the most vociferous manner. Nowhere should be like Australia. Because this is what happens 
When you continue to lock down and you don't care about your people, Dutch mayor warns the country is heading for a civil war. Following violent anti-curfew protests as France and Italy admit they're facing another COVID-19 lockdown. Europe is in the midst of a COVID chaos as countries race to tighten their restrictions amid high case numbers. France due to decide on a third national lockdown this week. Italy's top medic has also called for a new shutdown. Meanwhile, the continent's vaccine program is in disarray, with France's Pasteur Institute admitting today that its vaccine does not work. Disorder is also growing following riots in the Netherlands, with Mayor declare warning we're on the path to civil war. Europe's battle against coronavirus enter a dangerous new phase as politicians push to tighten lockdown measures across the continent, even after a weekend of rioting brought scenes of chaos to the Netherlands and Denmark amid warnings of civil war. France is due to decide to bring in a third national lockdown this week, as Prime Minister Jean Castex, I think so, warned the situation there is worrying, with Italy's top medic also calling for a month-long national shutdown. This is despite John Geritzma, mayor of Eindhoven, I think that's how you pronounce that, which was hit by his worst riots in almost four decades of the weekend, warning we're on our way to civil war after nationwide, nationwide curfew measures sparked public outcry. I'm not going to talk about the vaccine because it's all silly. But this is what happens. This is what happens when you ignore the needs and the pleas of your people because you want power. Lockdowns don't work. This is proven over and over again. Lockdowns have been proven also to be far more dangerous and damaging to society. We don't need lockdowns. We need fine-tuned plans. We need Great Barrington Declaration. Protect the vulnerable. We need... Make sure everyone can go back. Business is thriving. Economy booming. This is what keeps people healthy. Allow people to go outside. Stop forcing them to stay inside their homes. Stop forcing them to not exercise. This is just creating a fat, lazy generation who expects everything to be handed to them. And then when everything is not handed to them, then they start to fear and panic and think dark stuff depressing, suicidal thoughts. And so far, as far as we can tell, the government does not give a damn. And if they continue along their path, this is only the start. People are looking at the, the January 6th riots as, oh, it was the worst thing ever. No, this is just the start. We are seeing panic disorder and unrest being at the highest levels I've ever heard of. This is the kind of situation which was prior to World War II. Especially in Germany. This was, this was the situation that lots of panic, unrest, the destabilization of the economy. This led to the rise of tyranny. Why can't people see that? Like... Shutting down any journalists that report on any stories that go contrary to the government. Making sure that you can't hear or see anything that goes against their will, their desires, what they want people to see, what they want people to hear, what they want people to know. We can't allow this. We can't permit this to happen. Because if this continues to happen, our society will collapse. I don't want that. Now, of course, these situations are happening. Like, there's a right-wing commentator, which is Rebel News, which is an organization that we 
talked about, we've engaged with. The moment when right-wing commentator Abi Yamini is thrown to the ground and arrested while reporting on the Melbourne anti-lockdown protests. Those police are sammed for being heavy-handed. He was covering the Melbourne protests for Rebel News on Saturday. Police commander ordered him arrested. No evidence of that. The video evidence does not show that. Well, okay, no, the police ordered him arrested. Yes, they did. They cautioned him for hindering police, even though lots of media were nearby. Reporters for other media sources saying they, were, they too were threatened with arrest. Emergency powers for the police are widely considered as excessive. Right-wing commentator was thrown to the ground by police and arrested as he covered the anti-lockdown protests. He was reporting for fringe Canadian media outlet Reservable News while doing a piece to camera on the Albert Park on Saturday as police clashed with protesters. He was recounting the day's events. A police commander suddenly pointed him out and ordered officers to arrest him. This bloke is not here for any purposeful reason. I want him under arrest right now. The officer is superintendent while grabbing his microphone. You can't just point at a media member. You can't just point at a journalist saying, they disagree with me. I want them arrested. That's tyranny. Four officers then approached Shamini, who had media accreditation, pushed him to the ground before handcuffing him, despite protests that his pass was in his pasa pocket, which it was. It proved it in the video. He shot from the police van. Unknown to the officers, his lapel microphone was still active and reported the police telling him he was arrested for allegedly hindering police. For recording and reporting on, an, on a protest? Footage released by Rebel News on Tuesday showed him was standing alongside several journalists who were also recording police and protesters, but not how long each one stayed there. He was soon released pending further inquiries, was given a move-on notice from the area, ending his ability to report. Footage from early in the day showed him and his crew showing out their work permits and being led in through a police checkpoint. Victoria Police said Yumini was asked to move multiple times by the Horde commander as he was obstructing the police response to the protests. After failing to comply with police direction, he was arrested for hindering police. Investigations are currently underway to determine whether the man will be charged with offenses in relation to recording made while under police arrest. He disputes that the superintendent involved, or any police ever asked him to move. Now, of course, he has this on camera, so pretty hard for them to prove what they were saying. Just ordered the arrest of a journalist because he doesn't like what I report. And that's true. Now, the really sad part, one of the sadder parts is that, of course, I'm a Canadian. This sort of stuff is happening in Canada, too. They're not arresting them for covering or doing journalism for what they don't report. But this is what they do. This is a conversation that they had in Toronto with Toronto police. It's just going to be a short interaction. But listen to what they say. So this guy's for Rebel News. And this is what they say. That's crazy. That's crazy. You cannot say this media is allowed to cover the protests and this is not. Now, of course, this has happened before. There were certain only certain media institutions which were allowed to come in and question Justin Trudeau during the pandemic. Only certain media institutions are allowed to question Biden. Because they don't want their supreme leaders to get real questions. They don't want the coverage that they that puts this in a negative light to come out. They want the lockdowns and everything to be, oh yes, everyone is happily complying with police and government orders and everyone is hunky-dory with all the lockdowns because everyone is doing what's best to keep everyone safe. No. 
Because the lockdowns are not for everyone's safety. They are for control. They are for domination. They're just to keep people in line. To keep people in check so that they follow and toe the line and they don't make a fuss. So that they do what the government says, otherwise they get punished. They get a slap on the wrist. This is nasty style stuff. This is nasty tyranny. And most people just say, oh, like, it's okay. Like, this is, this is just the way it is now, I guess. No, it's not the way it is. We can't just accept that this is a natural part of life. I don't want to be living in a place where if I get together with my family for Sunday dinner, I can be arrested. This is disgusting. This is a violation and a disgrace to our God-given rights. And I'm going to stand up against it. I hope you do too. Stand up for truth, for justice, for freedom, and for love for your fellow man. Let's come to the end of today's show.